Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello there, you naughty nincompoops. It's uh, Chappie, your British butler. And uh, fancy catching me in on the act here. You've got me. I've got my uh, new python out, or as it's known as a pipethon. It's basically this long plastic. Uh, it's not cylindrical, it's flat, and it has barbs on it. I mean, it looks like some ancient torture anal probe or something. Um, but uh, yeah, you've caught me being very manly, very dutiful, getting round to my chores, uh, or my sort of honey-do list here. Uh, basically, over the last few weeks, I found that uh, my feet are getting soaked when I'm in the bath because my plug hole is blocked. You know, that isn't a euphemism, I promise you. The, uh, I've got a situation where there's a buildup of air, air and dirt and soap and scrum. Anyway, we're going to get right down to the business. And I'm just moving down to, uh, to, the, to, the, to the bathroom area. And I can see this is where the, 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 the lesser spotted Sasquatch Tappy, uh, he's, this is where he resides here. And we're seeing like almost like it's a mire uh, bubbling up here uh, from this uh, from plug hole here. So we're just going to take out the plug hole. And we've got the uh, trouser snake, well not a trouser snake, it's actually uh, this pipe thumb thing. We're just going to take this off here. Just hold on a second, let me unscrew this here for a second here. Well, he's not very good at screwing here, so let's hold on, hold you hard a second here. So I'm just going to get down on my knees here into the Hoogest Sasquatchius Maximus's natural habitat, and you can see they like to eat sorts, all sorts of foliage here, and also they love to love a bit of bacon and some lip balls as well. But we're going to be inserting this python, not trouser stick, to put this rock down into the pipe. And you can push this all the way down, all the way down into the pipe. So we're inserting it right into the pipe here, push it right down as far as you can go. And all the barbs are knotted round, all the hair and all the dirt and all the oops come around there. We're gonna pull out the pull out the pipe, the pipe on here. Oh, and there's a lovely piece of hair there. There's probably fifteen thousand years of pubius maximus. All this pubius maximus knotted together, or oh, in a chain of hair that wraps around the pipe on, and it's now been removed. So we're now going to try to fill the bath with water to see if the problem has been. Resolved and it's going to be related. So putting it down here. We'll see if it's out. We're flooding, we're flooding the bath right now to see if Trappy's natural habitat has been relented from all the hair and the dirt and everything else here. And it's flowing much more freely right back into the pipe and I think we've solved the problem here of all the pubius maximuses basically tied around the pipe all over the years there's ginger there's a few brunettes there 
there's some curly, chappiest, satscotchiest hair as well. But the problem has been resolved. Yes, getting my python out really did solve the build-up in the hair problem. <laughs> it was a wondrous achievement. It's a wonderful thing, though. There's so much hair down there. As I said, it's knotted hair from years and years and years. Um, and some of the barbs are broken off. That's how much hair was stuck in my plug hole. That is my Valentine's present. The pipe thon. Pipe thon, python, was my, uh, was my Valentine's present. I mean, it's lovely, 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 lovely stuff. Wonderful present. It's so much fun, though. And I measured, I did measure the water uh, flow issue. Uh, when the air was stuck in the plug hole, it was taking 4 minutes 38 seconds on average to drain. After I put the pipes on and inserted it down into the plug hole, now the thing drains within 1 minute 22 seconds. A much smoother flow. I tell you, I'm very, very impressed with it. Much, much fun to be had uh, by the Python in uh, in coming in the coming weeks, months, years. But you can reuse this little beauty. Welcome along to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Yes, we are the DIY show of the internet, where one man shows his manly attributes in DIY, home fixing, and all sorts of other arenas that are purely for the strong man in your life. No, I'm telling a lie. This is a whimsical journey around a man who has to cry in bed if ever there's a splinter in his left finger. Yeah, that's really it. And ingrown toenails can take one off work for several weeks. It's quite a workout as well. It's almost like a hair tug of war workout trying to remove the hair from inside the bath. There we go. Here we are again, as happy as can be. All good friends and jolly good company. Keep coming, Cauliflower Cheese, episode 162. Hope you're having a lovely weekend. We are going through the big thaw that we had so much snow uh, in the week. Uh, well, when I say sort of eight inches, I mean, they had like two foot of snow in various mountain areas and across the Midwest. But anyway, at least it's thawing out because... I did the other day take a tumble. I've already got tennis elbow in the right arm from straightening one's hair. Now I have it in the left arm because I took a tumble. There's a fresh uh, carpet of snow that lay over an icy patch. I took a tumble right onto the left elbow and I'm not going to be paying badminton. I'm not going to be using my left hand anytime soon, either for whisking or any other purpose, basically. So I, uh, I used my uh, gimpy right arm uh, with the uh, python snake thing a few minutes ago. I mean, that thing is like the uh, Tommy Lee of, uh, of home improvement and plumbing. It's a, it's a wonderful exit. Well, it hasn't talked to me yet, though. Uh, we'll be discussing that later on, though. Hopefully you're having a relaxing weekend, uh, thawing out a little bit. I know it's like quite cold in the UK, it's meant to be as well. Maybe they're having a few flakes. On the day the Queen came to the throne 70 years ago, the accession day, uh, February the 6th, 1952, the accession day when George VI sadly died at Sandringham House, and that's where the Queen is residing today. So we're going to have some royal facts for you, uh, scattered through the course of the program. And it's my lovely aunt's birthday as well. She's 70 today, and she, as long as I can remember, spitting image of Princess Di. I mean, the, the, the lady's aging wonderfully, and... 
happy birthday to her today. And I didn't I didn't realize that her birthday was the session day 70 years ago. So that uh, that's quite a uh, quite an interesting uh, fact uh, that I that I just come across. But it's marvelous to have you here. Uh, obviously England's bad form in sport continues. They lost in the rugby the other day. More importantly, it's 70 years since the then Princess Elizabeth in Kenya on a Commonwealth tour with her husband Prince Philip heard that her father King George VI had died and she's now Queen. The 95th year of the monarch's reign, she'll spend the anniversary of her accession to the throne at Sandringham, marking the beginning of her Platinum Jubilee. On Saturday, she met with members of Sandringham's community on the eve of the anniversary of her reign, hosting a reception for volunteer groups, pensioners and fellow members of the local Women's Institute. So this milestone is very important to the people of Norfolk as well. The royal family have their regular trips to the county. Mary Routh in Norfolk, though, is well known as a keen royal watcher. She'll celebrate the 88th birthday on the 7th of February, the day before the accession day. Miss Ralph from Shoulderman, Norfolk, is a regular visitor to Sandringham and goes to see the Queen and other members of the royal family as they head to church each Christmas day, which I have done several times since 1988. She's aware that the Queen will be at Sandringham for a session day. She won't come out. She won't be in public. I won't bother her, she said. But it's wonderful having the Queen so close to Norfolk and that people do flock to come and see her. It's a very normal and respectful celebration. But the Sandringham estate, the Queen privately owns a Sandringham house, which she often visits and has foreign heads visit, uh, foreign heads of state visit, attends local balls for the local landed gentry, farmers, servants, and annual shoots. It's surrounded by an estate including 16,000 acres of farmland, 3,500 acres of woodland, and 150 properties. It's been the private home of four generations of British monarchs, and it was bought in 1862 by the then Prince of Wales, later to become Edward VII. The house was rebuilt by the Prince in 1870, and he added the ballroom in 1881. The Prince also created his own time zone, ST or Sandringham time, to make the most of the winter daylight hours for shooting. The clocks all over the estate were advanced by half an hour. King Edward VIII abolished this on his accession in 1936. George V, the Queen's grandfather, described the place as dear old Sandringham, the place where I love better than anywhere else in the world. George VI wrote it to his mother and said, I have always been so happy here and love the place. The house holds a sad significance though for the Queen, uh, as it was where her father, King George VI, died in his sleep in the early hours of February 1952, triggering the start of her reign. And the Duke of Edinburgh spent much of his retirement on the royal estate, living at Wood Farm, uh, farmhouse in Wooferton. And the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have their 10-bedroom country mansion and Mahal. So we'll be keeping it somewhat regal today, but of course the usual rambunctious nonsense that we have on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And it is the 162nd edition of the program. Yesterday, we heard about how my grandmother thought that the blood transfusion that she got recently was from a man who liked to drink port because she suddenly developed gout in her toe. We also heard about how doctors do not want my foreign blood. They think I have mad cow disease. Uh, We talked about tennis elbow as well. My dad, hard worker that he is in his gardening over the years, chopping meat, everything else. Uh, he's got his, uh, he had his tennis elbow from chopping meat. I've got mine from straightening my hair. Now I've got double tennis elbow after slipping. 
uh, as I need to wear my yak tracks constantly. Today we'll be looking at Mexican string cheese. I have another use for it. We're going to be looking at Pammy and Tommy, the new Apple TV Plus stroke Hulu show that has uh, basically been released recently. Uh, it's quite a watch. It's not for the faint-hearted and don't have children around. Uh, also, uh, we never discussed yesterday when you're binge-watching something, how do you like skipping the intros? Or do you like to listen to the music at the beginning of the show? Um, I've been cutting myself a lot this week, but it left a rather unfortunate uh, situation that happened on a Zoom call. We'll be talking about that also. Uh, my dad wants to bring back a dead miller and a seance, and uh, we'll be discussing this dead miller and uh, when the seance may happen or may or may not happen as well. I've been discovering frozen bottles of urine. We never talked about Meta honey, Zuckerberg honey, cheese snobbery. How dare you? How a lot of the older farts are quitting Spotify. What's happening to the young farts? They still seem to be on Spotify. Do you like a dash of Scottish ginger marmalade? And um, Daryl Hall and John Oates, the famed Hall and Oates, uh, John Oates was on uh, Twitter the other day and he was very upset eating his morning bowl of porridge that he thought that he should have, when they were big in the 1980s, had some sort of advertising campaign of bowl and oats. On the Butler Emporium musical edition of the podcast on Spotify, yes, I am still on Spotify before you ask, we are reflecting the love of an archetypal British band, well, an Irish band actually, but they sound very, very English, very British. Neil Hannon and the Divine Comedy. Born in Enniskinnan, he has charmed me over the years, and his new album, Charmed Life, the Divine Comedy, is a wondrous, sentimental affair. A little cheeky, a little rambunctious, just the way I like it. And through the musical edition of the podcast, we'll be having plenty of divine comedy songs. There's a mix of Burt Bacharach there, The Kinks, some Noel Coward, very quintessentially British, English, Irish uh, music running through. Very harmonious, very melodious, and uh, absolutely beautiful today, punctuating the accession day with a little knowing wink, and obviously, as always on the show, very tongue-in-cheek. The sounds of happiness and grace stay the soft temple range. Let's just address the whole controversy of the whole Spotify uh, Joe Rogan situation uh, that's occurred recently. So a lot of the older musicians, some say old farts, some say some of the most talented musicians of our generation have quit Spotify. I am still on Spotify. For the moment. <laughs> but just wanted to say this. So Rogan's caused a lot of controversies. Had many of his episodes uh, cancelled of late. And many of the artists are in fact rebelling. But my point is this. I'm just wondering. If in the beginning. Uh, somebody's gone out there. On a podcast or some audio platform somewhere. And said that the COVID vaccines, whether it's the Moderna, Pfizer, whichever one, Biotech, uh, the AstraZeneca, any of the vaccines, if they had come out and said at the time that if you took the uh, if you took the COVID vaccine, that within a couple of weeks you would find that your 
got considerably bigger, maybe by maybe three or four inches, then you wouldn't have the situation that you have now. All that those uh, all those MAGA, uh, Karens, Keiths, Dwaynes, whatever you want to call them, they would have been on board with the COVID vaccine. But if you said, if you said without any doubt that the COVID vaccine would make your three inches bigger. I mean, would you take the three inches? I mean, some of these guys and gals would probably take two inches. But this is where the marketing went wrong. And I'll say this one more time. If when the COVID vaccines had came out and they say not only will it help prevent you getting Delta variant, the original variant, Omicron, any of those variants, but also it would make your three inches bigger. And the whole thing would be a storm in a teacup now. Nobody uh, would be having any issues. Everybody would be happy, but they wouldn't be getting COVID. And they'd be under the illusion that their uh, was maybe two inches bigger. Oh, I'm sorry. So I was indulging in some rather lovely Mexican cheese the other day. And I didn't realize how stringy it was. I mean, it basically was giving me long thangs hanging down. It is so stringy. I mean, it's almost like as stringy as chewing gum. And it made me think, I think that our good friends across the border are not making the most of what their cheese could be used for. I mean, it could be a brand new type of G-string edible underwear. I mean, it's stringy enough. It's pliable enough. It's going to cover all the essentials. I mean, maybe this is what Tommy Lee should have been wearing uh, in the uh, Tommy and Pammy uh, TV show that's uh, just come out here. I mean, he needed a little bit more stretchy coverage, if you know what I'm saying, Uh, especially front and back, to be honest. You could really advertise and have fantastic merchandise of basic uh, Mexican cheese G-strings. It would be, I mean, I'm just wondering if the heat of like Carbo or Cancun Uh, might melt the cheese and then you haven't got the coverage that you need it could be a little bit of a problem Um, but yeah it's 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 wonderfully stringy the trouble is sometimes it does get stuck in your teeth and that be I mean I have that problem whilst eating a uh, burrito where the Mexican cheese does get stuck in the teeth Uh, but it is so pliable and uh, it's something that we should consider when we when it comes to Uh, reinventing new underwear it could be used to patch up possibly old underwear as well we never covered this story on former podcasts but uh, the dorset knob throwing festival has been cancelled after it became too popular so the tossing of knobs has become uh, a little bit too popular a knob throwing event has been cancelled because the size has become too much to handle for organizers this seems to be a theme or thread running through the show we had the python we had tommy lee and now we're talking about big knobs that can't be thrown anymore Uh, the dorset knob throwing contest involves competitors hurling a traditional dorset knob a hard biscuit as far as they can the record throw is 29.4 meters, that's 96 feet, and was set in 2012. This is now the third year in a row the organizers have been forced to cancel. In 2020, there was no venue available, 
and in 2021, COVID put an end to the festivities. But this year, organisers admitted that the event, due to be held on May the 1st at Catterstock, along the Frome Valley Food Festival, has become too popular for the organisers to manage. Other events on the day include knob eating, yes, you don't want any uh, remnants of the knob around your mouth, knob painting, uh, yes, make sure there's no lead paint. You don't want a leady knob, and you want to make sure you have lead in your pencil, obviously. And a knob and a spoon race. Guess the weight of the big knob. Uh, I mean, you just have to wrap your hands around it, I guess. And knob darts as well. 180! And also a knob pyramid, uh, going back the time of the pharaohs. A statement on Facebook from the Dorset Knob Throne Committee says, It's with great sadness that the Dorset Knob Throne and Frome Valley Food Festival is unable to go ahead on the 1st of May 2022. We had over 8,000 people attend in 2019, meaning it reached such a size that it cannot be run by a small village committee. We're looking at various options, but sadly couldn't make any of them work for this this year for various reasons we sadly lost the support of our event management team late in 2021 and in agreement with moore's biscuits to provide biscuits to the events games also took longer than anticipated we hope the event can uh, return in years to come come being the operative word the uh, dorset uh, knob started life uh, before 1860 when the Moores family became baking in West Dorset according to the Moores biscuit maker. After the day's bread baking was finished, it was custom to make the Dorset knobs by adding butter and sugar to the leftover dough and hand rolling them into small bottoms or small knobs. They were then baked in the dying heat of bread uh, to prevent them drying out like rusks. The Dorset knob was originally named after the hand-sewn Dorset knob buttons that were still made in the last revival of the once thriving cottage industry here are the knob rules three dorset knobs per go furthest knob thrown is measured yes you need a yardstick for that use only dorset knobs standing throw from mark's stranding point underarm throwing only no overarm bowling one foot must remain on the ground during throwing distance is of the furthest knob only measured between the designated throwing zone it is five meters wide and 32 meters long marked in two meter zones with the use of measure in between marks to determine the uh, distance thrown dorset knob measured at final resting place if the dorset knob breaks upon landing it'll be an umpire's decision of the final resting place yes you don't want your knob broken because they will never be able to find a splint big enough to repair it Let's have a little bit of a discussion here about Pammy and Tommy, the new TV show that's on Hulu. And uh, I have to say, it's a uh, rip-roaring watch. Uh, yes, don't make sure the children aren't around, though. And uh, if you're of a delicate disposition, uh, or maybe a nun, then make sure you're ready to do a bunch of Hail Marys. This show is uh, sort of fascinating. as a look at the beginning of Pammy, so Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's uh, relationship. They eventually got married on a whim, I believe, in Las Vegas. And it's a story of their three-year-old relationship, although they did get back together for a short time after he got out of jail, I believe. Now, this is almost like a uh, sort of soft porn movie, but it's sort of tongue-in-cheek. It has uh, Seth Rogen in uh, full-on mullet, and I have to say he's rocking the mullet, and rather, rather, rather sort of fascinating storyline where basically he's a contractor and he swipes the tape that uh, Pammy and Tommy have recorded of their infamous sex act. And he goes around trying to sell this tape and then decides to put it on a fledgling version of uh, the Internet. 
It is absolutely hilarious. But Tommy Lee, we find out, uh, I don't know if it's drug-induced, but he has a talking penis. Uh, his penis, basically, uh, it's not a hand puppet or a handheld puppet or anything like that, but his penis does start talking. Now, they have decided to, um, I mean, it's not at its uh, uh, full rigor, if you know what I mean. It's not at its full attention. It's not uh, standing to attention like a grenadier guard, uh, but um, it's still talking in the voice of Seth Rogen. Highly, highly worth watching this show. It's very entertaining. It's uh, very amusing. It's a little bit naughty. And it is a absolutely fascinating story to tell. The dots are fairly well joined together uh, by the end of the show. I have one episode to watch, but uh, I will be watching that whenever it uh, whenever it comes out. But it made me think, though, if you're going to have a uh, a talking uh, a talking penis, how would you want your voice to sound? When we did a pilot, they sent me on top of the tower, and they forgot to tell me that it was two black widow waiting for me. Ready to bite me? So I went up there. Yes, would you like it to sound like uh, Herve Vilcesi? Or perhaps. Yes, I don't think I want it to sound like Alvin either. Yes, I think if I ever had to have a voice, if I had to put a voice to the old boy, the crown jewels, gentleman persuader, then I think this would be the voice. The background, I guess. One of my favourite things in the London Times is the Nature's Notebook. And this, I saw this earlier in the week. Darker days are lit by lyrical avian love songs. May is a month that launched a thousand love songs as I roved out on a bright May morning. But for much of our wildlife, the amorous roving often starts in the not always so merry depths of winter. I was walking through a favourite dale of mine. This is Jonathan Tullock. And when I heard a sweet flute-like piping on the crisp air it was coming from the nearby tarn as i got near i realized that there were two separate voices at work the whirling flute was being answered by a staccato yet sonorous quacking i stumbled on the rarest of phenomena an avian duet what i could hear was the celebrated two-part courtship song of the teal in which the male's lyrical swirl of silvery notes is underscored by the female's rhythmic response the small tarn was screened by a curtain of reeds and moving as stealthily as I could. I manoeuvred my way into a good viewing position. Our smallest duck species, teal, are one of the reasons to embrace winter, not only to do their love songs light up the darker days, but they're also enchanting to look at. I saw the male first. He was a bold colour arrangement that only a great artist would risk. Grey stipples and brown speckles, yellow tail, black stripes, rich chestnut head and a long blue green eye patch so sumptuous that it became a color the first mention of the color tier was in 1917 and then by 1990 it has made its way to the crayola coloring box up to 3,000 teals pairs nest in britain in winter their numbers are boosted by around 200,000 individuals from the baltic and also russia a very good proportion of these winter visitors were heading our way as we flock came into land on the tarn immediately the entire spring of teal began calling each other the pond that has been secluded for just two crooners now became a riotous ensemble of duetting teals each one singing to a potential mate so my dearest papa 
has been trying to find out uh, where the ancient buried recipe from a miller who basically put together a recipe for a digestive biscuit that was created in 1750. This secret ingredient for this digestive biscuit nobody knows about, so Father is trying to find where the miller buried this secret recipe for this biscuit. Was it in the flour? Was it in the Norfolk water? Was there some sort of special ingredient that nobody knows about? Father is determined to find this out. He's going to be using thermal imaging. He's going to see the local vicar and possibly have to excavate and find if the Miller's secrets were buried with him. A much better way though would be if he had a seance with the Miller himself. And he can only do this by absconding the local vicar and having afternoon tea and probably a dash of sherry with the vicar. Who knows, he may be cutting the vicar's crust off his sandwiches coming soon or maybe he will be part of the local bell ringing club or to get this secret ingredient for the 1790s digestive biscuit. But we have some extracts of what may have happened or may not have happened during a local seance with the local vicar in the vestigiary. Well, that ain't normal. When you stand at a tea stall, having a cup of tea, you know, and you get someone standing beside you, giving it all this, right down the arrow, and you think, why are they standing there yapping like they do? I tell them to Queen may be one of the world's most famous women thanks to her hard work and dedication to the title but often during her official engagements the Queen Her Majesty likes to show off her humorous size. It's nice to know that she can enjoy on rare occasions when she's joined with family and friends to have a good old laugh. So these are some of the times the Queen basically fell into absolute hysterics. The Duke of Sussex, May 2019, the Queen and her grandson, Prince Harry, have a close bond and a pair were often spotted giggling together at Lady Gabrielle Windsor and Thomas Kingston's wedding in Windsor. The Duke had just become a father after the birth of baby Archie. The Duchess of Cornwall and the Duchess of Cambridge, the Duchess of Cornwall and Cambridge in July uh, 2021, could not contain their giggles as the Queen gamely cut a cake with a ceremonial sword at the Royal Ladies attended the big lunch at the Eden Project during the G7 Summit in June 2017. It was quite the blade. The Duchess of Sussex in June 2018, one month after officially joining the Royal Family, Meghan carried out her first joint engagement with the Queen in Cheshire. While many would feel incredibly nervous performing the task, Meghan showed her relaxed and confident nature. She chatted and joked with Her Majesty. Meghan had previously opened up how welcoming the Queen had been to her in uh, TV interviews. Zara Tyndall and uh, the Countess of Wessex, the Queen, had a great relationship with her granddaughter, Zara Tyndall, and her daughter-in-law, the Countess of Wessex. They shared a joke during the Royal Ascot meeting in 2018. There's no denying that the Duchess of Cambridge and the Queen are very close. The Queen is seen laughing at her granddaughter-in-law, the Duchess of Cambridge. The pair shared a chuckle whilst watching a children's sporting event. The Duchess of Cornwall in 2013, the Queen and her daughter-in-law Camilla shared a light-hearted moment at the Ebony Horse Club. 
maybe it was a horse farting. Uh, Prince Charles, uh, September 2012, one of the most fun engagements of the summer is the annual Bremer Gathering in Scotland. It usually marks a return to royal duties for the Queen who spends the warmer months in Barrymore. Prince Charles could not stop laughing. Certainly something tickled his sparring that day. Prince Harry in 20, uh, 2006, the Queen seen smiling after she passed her grandson Prince Harry during the Sovereign Parade at the Royal Military Academy in Santos. Unable to hide his joy, Harry could be seen smiling and laughing whilst the remaining cadets stayed stony-faced. Princess Anne in 2004, a sweet moment uh, at the International Women's Day when they were cutting a cake. Uh, Prince William, December 2006, as the Queen walked past, Prince William could not contain his giggles at the Sovereign Parade at the Royal Camberley Academy. And Zara Tindler was cracking up uh, with the Queen again at the Gold Cup Day at the Cheltenham uh, National Hunt Festival. And last all round with uh, Fergie and Princess Beatrice, the Queen shared a joke with the Princess Beatrice and Sarah Ferguson at the Royal Box during the Queen's horse selector run in the King Edward VII Stakes on the fourth day of the Royal Ascot meeting in 2018. One certainly tickled one's funny bone. In a note from Prince Charles at Clarence House today, on this historic day, my wife and I join you all in congratulating Her Majesty the Queen on a remarkable achievement of serving the nation, the realms and the Commonwealth for 70 years. The Queen's devotion to the welfare of the people inspires greater admiration with each passing year. We're deeply conscious of the honour represented by my mother's wish and we have sought together to serve and support Her Majesty and the people of the communities. My darling wife has been my steadfast support throughout. The year of this unprecedented Platinum Jubilee brings an opportunity for all of us to come together in celebrating the services of the Queen, by which the example will continue to be led in the years to come. And if you've ever wanted to know the ingredients for a perfect monarch, Queen Elizabeth enjoyed one answer as she looked through old memorabilia in a social media post shared on Friday. According to a nine-year-old Chris, who wrote to the palace in 2002, there were several ingredients and a certain recipe that had to be followed. Number one, first put 500 milliliters of royal blood into a big mixing bowl and then add a cup of courage. Number two, next put the bowl half a liter of hard work. Number three, after that, then mix it all in at the same time, put in a tablespoon of healthiness. And number four, now blend into a good smile and some royal waves, simmer for 50 years, fold in a dash of loyalty, and you have the perfect queen. I've decided that I really don't like hardly any of the intros for the box sets. If you're watching or binge watching anything, do you always skip the intros? The only intro I'm never going to skip is the intro to All Creatures Great and Small. That is perfect Sunday viewing and starts your week with a huge smile without a doubt. Anyway, so I think I mentioned this on the podcast uh, yesterday. I've been cutting my face up something proper. I don't know what it is, but I've been cutting my face, slicing and dicing my face with various razors over the coming week. I'm going to have to get myself a, a shower mirror. One that doesn't steam up because it gets so steamy in there. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've got like a cut on either side of my cleft chin at the moment. 
yeah, it's got a little cleft down there and I've been cutting it up. And I don't think a cleft chin leads very nicely when you're actually trying to shave uh, just via touch, not actually by looking in the mirror. So anyway, so I've cut myself up. I was bleeding something chronic. I think turmeric does thin the blood, so blood everywhere, basically. It looked like a murder scene. Uh, so I had to get out the, uh, the snick stick and try to say that after a couple of bourbons. Uh, the old snick stick uh, to stop the flow. You press it on there and it basically stops the flow of the blood coming out. Uh, and then the other day, using the little thing to uh, to shave the n little hair under the nose, you know, you can't reach. When you've got a big old snack, the blade gets in the way. So you have this little, little blade here to, to get rid of the little loose hairs under the nostrils there. Anyway, I cut my nose. And if you've ever cut your nose, then it's like the uh, blood from the rivers of Babylon. It's going absolutely everywhere. So you got the snake stick out, placed it under the nostrils, and uh, it took a while. I had to hold it down hard, and then the snake stick started to work, and the blood uh, abated. The problem is that it left um, like a whole, probably a couple of grams of white powder under each nostril. And I didn't realize this until I got onto a Zoom call and then suddenly realized that the snick stick had made me look rather, rather guilty. Uh, and you don't really want to start your first Zoom call of the day with uh, a few grams of white powder under each nostril. Not a good start and certainly not a good impression. I say, I say, I say, it's Trump or Trump. Spider-Man warned not to poo on the rocks near a canal in hilarious Google Maps picture. Reddit user has spotted an hilarious sign warning Spider-Man not to poo on the rocks by a canal on Google Maps. The bizarre sign displaying a squatting figure dressed as a comic blue and red Spider-Man suit was posted to uh, Reddit. Underneath the image said, Dilarang Buang E Basar which is Malay for do not defecate. According to the link provided on the comment sign, it was spotted near Subraya, Indonesia, uh, alongside the G. Uh, Numplongan Road, the forum's user, captioned the street sign, if you're Spider-Man, please do not squat on the stones with your pants down. I mean, my Spidey senses tell me that Spidey could not make a sharp exit, but it would take him 20 minutes to take off his suit to squat. And a footlocker manager has been accused of ejaculating into trainers and handing them off to customers who try uh, before bragging about his uh, sick behaviour. The Bramley, a city centre store manager in Brompton, Ontario, allegedly climaxed into shoes before taking them out onto the shop floor. The allegations were made after a series of videos and photos were posted on social media and showed images of him stark naked in the store stockroom. After other clips included footage of him uh, doing his business into a trainer before taking it out to a customer. But yes, make sure you double sock when trying on shoes at Foot Locker, uh, but also check the socks first. The singer and actress desperately wanted uh, to feel more desirable and have bigger enhancements and went under the knife and realized her enormous endowment didn't make her feel happy. The singer and actress who had the job to feel more desirable to her ex said she felt happier once she had the implants removed. I just wonder how easy it is to have a moob job reversal. 
Yes, just want to cover a few topics that uh, maybe we didn't cover or have time for for this week, but we'll move it along next week. So on my jolly jaunts with the hounds recently, I've uh, discovered that the uh, tray has been scattered with frozen bottles of urine. Uh, also, um, with the whole meta situations going on, the news in the stock market, have you ever concerned meta honey or even Zuckerberg's honey? Uh, and uh, there was a considerable case of uh, cheese snobbery in the week. How dare you? How dare you demean my cheddar? Uh, also, uh, we never discussed nose yoga, leg touching, Polak's nipples or how awful men's toenails are. Promise you these will be on a show very near you very soon. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It's been wondrous and delightful and delicious and phenomenal having you here. And uh, so if you'd like to listen to the podcast, just me, just only me, with no interruptions, then Apple Music, Breaker, Slacker, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, Pandora are the places for you. You can basically hear me anywhere. As I was clipping my nails the other day, the toenails, of course, as I lift my uh, very vibrant leg up into the sink, uh, I could, as I clipped them, I could hear, as the nail was being clipped, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. And you'll find if you decide to remove any excess, any pubis maximus hair that's stuck in your uh, plug hole, as I said at the top of the show, as you remove it, you can also hear keep calm and cauliflower cheese emanating from a clear plug hole yes you can indeed and if you like music though if you like your nonsense if you like your silliness if you like your skullduggery and shenanigans uh mix a little bit of music then you can have a divine comedy special where we have something with the weekend woman of the world national express Hall and Oates are scattered in here as well. Ben Folds, The Thong Song, Barry White as well. If you like The Beatles, if you like Queen, if you like White Lines, uh, also Orlando Weeks, Grandmaster Flash, then the Musical Emporium Butler Edition on Spotify is indeed for you. Coming up next, we have a poem. So I saw this in the week. It's slightly melancholic, but it is beautiful. And it's called Remember Me. To the living, I am gone. To the sorrowful, I will never return. To the angry, I was cheated. But to the happy, I am at peace. And to the faithful, I have never left. I cannot be seen, but I can be heard. So as you stand upon a shore, gazing at a beautiful sea, remember me. As you look in awe at a mighty forest in its grand majesty, remember me. As you look upon a flower and admire its simplicity, remember me. Remember me in your heart, your thoughts, your memories of the times we loved, the times we cried, the times we fought, the times we laughed. For if you always think of me, I will never be gone. Have yourself a lovely week. I will be back next Friday, God willing. But until then... Enjoy the back catalogue of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Raise a little teacup with the pinky in the air and dunk a lovely biscuit, maybe a digestive, into the tea. But until next time, cheerio. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.